It's, it's his phone, so if it rings, I don't know. Maybe we ought to pick it up and put it on speakerphone. <laughs> if, they're, if they're talking to Ian, it's got to be about the Bible, because I've never had a conversation with him ever when it wasn't about the Bible, world events, and things of that nature. And, and if, if you room with him or stay with him, it's a seven, eight-day Bible study. And very, very, very rewarding. If any of you know Ian that well, and Thalia, and, and our good friend Pat, a new friend that we've got this year. Relationships, I guess, yeah, we've got the name up here. Relationships. As a lot of you may know, that the Bible is a book on relationships. Think about it for a minute. It's not the only thing it is, but it's a book about relationships. And today I am going to be brief. I plan to be brief. This is a subject that I could talk about forever. I love the subject. and uh, But anyway, I, I will attempt to, and I think I'll succeed at it, being brief. You know, the first, let me get myself back on track. You know, the, uh, as, as I mentioned a while ago, the Bible is a book on relationships, and, and if you think about it, and we've all quoted this a number of times, the first four commandments, and it's just be brief, uh, first four, uh, you hear that? Speaking in tongues. I mean, having understood that, uh, nobody did, but okay. Anyway, the first, the first four uh, commandments is, is uh, our relationship with God. If you think about it, you know, no other gods, no images, this is, and all that, and the Sabbath. And uh, the last six commandments were basically how our relationship should be with one another, with the people in the world, and, you know, coupled with the, the uh, judgments and the statutes and things of this nature. So, really, the book, the, the Bible is, and, and we mentioned the other day, or somebody mentioned the 66 books of the Bible. Uh, we'll go into that. Another subject. But uh, one, one uh, uh, topic or that I'm going to speak about today is, has more to do with, with marriage, marriage relationships, and but you, you can take the same principle and put it in our day-to-day -day relationship with one another. And, and I know this is a very, very sensitive subject. You know, I, I, I really pondered for a long time whether I would even talk about that, even as much as I love the subject. And, and uh, because I know that everyone is not as lucky as a, as a few handfuls of us that we've, we've been able to have a long-time relationship and a marriage. I know even talking with people here, we've, we've got a gentleman that, that uh, had been married 25 years and all of a sudden, you know, his wife left him. You know, the, the man, you know, it, it, it still hurts him, you know, and I know that. And I know other young people and, and older people both that have had a relationship and they thought things were going fine, and maybe they didn't, but in some cases they think it's fine, and all of a sudden it don't. That hurts me. Maybe it's none of my business, but it, it's always been a, a, something that's been dear to me. Uh, even, even when I was a young boy, you know, my, one of my biggest dreams was to have a girl, a girlfriend, you know, that would be end up being a young lady, and that she would love me, love all other boys or men, and spend her life with me. 
that's maybe some of you think, well, that's not very far-fetched, you know. Why didn't you want to go to college? Why didn't you want to get a degree and all that? But uh, I was very simple. And I have been very successful, thanks to God, you know, thanks to God. And, uh, and, and even in the early days when I first started speaking to the congregation in Tulsa, one of the first messages I gave was on marriage. And I didn't know much about it. I, I had a lot of problems, had a lot of questions. Why? People love so, each other so much, and they would climb the highest mountain and swim the biggest ocean and all that, you know. And then sometime later, they, they are at odds with each other, and they don't like each other anymore, and sometimes even murder each other or one or the other. And, you know, why? And, of course, I let out, like a lot of you, I've, I've tried to study as much as I can. Not that I was worried myself, but although I wanted, I knew that I could be in the same situation, and uh, I've, I've, I've learned a lot over the years, the same as a lot of you have learned. And, uh, but anyway, uh, and, and you know, and I know women, even right here in our audience, that their husbands have cheated on them, you know. Can you, if you've never had that happen, can you imagine what that would feel like? And, you know, I, I, I just, I can't fathom that. I can't fathom the wife of my youth, the little girl that I married at age 18, would cheat on me. I cannot, I would just as soon be dead, frankly. So some of the people that are enduring some of these things, you're very strong people, and God's got to be on your side, I tell you. And, and, I, and I'm not saying this to, and I'm not apologizing, <laughs> I'm not saying this to, you know, to make, you know, open up any wounds or anything else. But I want it to be at least serious enough for people that have a chance, and even for young children that are coming up. You know, and I sit, I look around and 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 see the the children of people that I've grown up in the church with. You know, in our early twenties, and I see their grandchildren, and I see them blooming, and I see what they can be. And I would really, really love for these people to have a great relationship. A great relationship. Now, not everybody wants that, and I understand that. But it, to me, it is very, very important. And um, you know, uh, God says a lot about it, pro and con. And and I'm not going to spend a lot of time today, or at least my intention is, not, is to not spend a whole lot of time. You know, because we know a lot of the scriptures. And if there are newer people around, people that haven't heard it as much. You know, you can you can cram it down their throat. <laughs> no, I don't mean that negatively, but you know, you can teach them, you can tell them a lot of these things. Uh, but I'm I'm just going to be uh, kind of facetious here for a little bit. You know, what what does God say in His Word about marriage? And of course, you'll have different thoughts. But I'm going to ask a question. Did God say, like a lot of people believe nowadays, that you should do? Go out and make as much money as you can. Just get rich, you know. Work real hard. Climb the ladder of success. Leave your wife at home and let her, uh, you know, take care of the kids. Just shut up, be quiet, pay the bills on time, and, you know, and, and uh, just, you know, you just do what you need to do to so you can be financially success, uh, secure when you get old, you know. Did God say to make her your slave? It may sound like I'm picking on a man a little bit. 
I know what happens if I pick on the women too much. <laughs> no, she's she's really good. Did God say to scold her? And you can you can say the same thing if if you're a woman to a man, you know. And and I'll just use the, the male gender to kind of buffer the thing a little bit. Did he say to scold her, belittle her? Have we ever done those things? To shame, shame your wife, shame your mate, beat her. And I and, and I just can't go. I just cannot understand uh, somebody beating their wife. I just can't understand that. And and I don't mean to be self righteous, but I just. You know, I would just, I would like to see someone that gets beaten, or maybe even a little child, to be thrown in a, a cage with a 1,000 pound gorilla or somebody like George up here on the front row. You know, <laughs> let him get mad at you. And you know, I wouldn't tangle with George. Did, did, did God want us to remind her of her shortcomings? Or did God want the, the wife to just continually? rub it in and, and and tell the husband about his shortcomings. Uh, I, I know, and, and a lot of you know couples too that have experienced some of those things. My wife and I both uh, have, have talked with couples over the years. We even know people in the family and outside our family that that uh, the younger generation that uh, have had some problems. And uh, we, 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 we know what's, what's out there in the world, even within the Church of God. Uh, turn with me a little bit uh, over to Genesis second chapter. Very familiar. You know, God's the one that invented this stuff to start with. And if you don't like it, just talk to God about it. Genesis two and verse twenty-one and twenty-two, or twenty-one through twenty-four. Uh, Genesis two. I, should, I don't know what I said, but anyway, Genesis two twenty-one. Uh, breaking in. And. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed it up, closed up the flesh instead thereof. The first surgery, I guess, that was ever done. And he used anesthetics, I guess. He put him to sleep. Uh, it sure couldn't have been a woman being first because he talked and he went to sleep, but that didn't happen. But anyway, and the rib which the Lord had taken from the man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And here's the part I really want to go to. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife. You know, he's to hold on to her, to cleave to her, to defend her, to help her, to, to cleave to his wife. And uh, in a lot of cases, it is good to, to get away from the family structure, you know, the, the husband, you know, your mom and dad, because so many times that uh, the in-laws think they can do a better job in the young people's marriage and what they can, and they're always butting in. And I heard years ago, I don't know if it's actually still true or not, but uh, it, years ago when we first came into church, uh, they, they, when they'd read these scriptures, it was, it was the statistics showed that uh, the husband's, parents, mother, basically. The husband's mother was the one that was the biggest contributor of, you know, infighting. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that's true. Uh, I don't really know. But anyway, the man is to leave uh, uh, his mother and father and, and start his own family and live 
together with his own family and work out their problems on their own. Not, not to say that the, the mother, the grandmother, aunts and things can't help, they really can because that's part of the women's job is teach the younger women how to love their husbands. Sometimes the women, ha the young people have to learn that. You know, they have to learn. And maybe they do, but they just don't have it right. You know, they're doing some of the things that I said that they shouldn't be doing, some of the, the, the things that they react to and, and how they handle situations. And, and, and more relationships go sour on, on the way they handle their relationships or, or their disagreements, not necessarily the disagreement itself, but the way they handle it. And over a period of time, and, and I've learned too that over the years, you know, even a good, hard, a good, solid marriage can be eroded away by all of this negative influence and all of these things that it's not my purpose today to go into. I've given some of it in the past. I've given workshops on it, my wife and I, and some of the people here have attended them and been very supportive of them and been helpful to us in them. But that's not my purpose today other than just give you just, just a smidget of some things that you can do. Uh, anyway, um, go over now to uh, New Testament, Mark 10. Mark 10 and verse, I'm going from 1 through, through 9. Oh, there. I've got 10, 1 through 9. Okay, I'll tell you what, uh, Brian is good. I have a scripture in here a little later that uh, that's taken from the uh, Living Bible, and uh, he, it's not on his computer back here. And he took a lot of effort to put that on here so I could read it, and I'll explain it a little bit later. But anyway, uh, uh, chapter ten, and uh, I've got verse one through nine. And he rose from thence. You know, you had to start somewhere. And and he rose from thence and and coming to the coast of Judea by the far side of Jordan and the people and the people resorted to him again and as he was wont he taught them again and the Pharisees came unto him and asked him is it lawful for a man to put away his wife tempting him and he said or he answered and said unto them what did Moses command you and they said Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. That's the way they, they used to deal with it. And here's what Jesus said. And Jesus said, or answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart, you unconverted hardness, you did all of these horrible things, you were bad to your wife, you were, you, you were cruel to her, you treated her like cattle. For the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife, and they too shall become, or shall be one flesh. So then they are no more two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And that's, that's our desire as, as parents when we raise children, whether it's a little boy or a little girl. We desire that they, they grow up and, and uh, as, as God said over in, in uh, Genesis, uh, 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 can't even think now, senior moment, what am I saying? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, replenish the earth. You know, be you prophet. Uh, and, yeah, anyway. 
time to get down. Anyway, but you know, to replenish the earth. And uh, uh, that's, that's what we would like for our children to be able to do. I forgot to take my Alzheimer's pill this morning. No, I didn't. Um, well, we're still reading. Let's go to uh, Ephesians, the third chapter. We're pretty close to where uh, Sean was this morning. Ephesians, the uh, third chapter. And three, and I've got one through thirteen. I'm going to do a little reading here, and and uh, I'm not going to uh, uh, elaborate just an awful lot on it. Here's Paul speaking. Says, "For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for the Gentiles." I'm just trying to see if that's where I really wanted to be. I think I must have written down a wrong scripture. Okay, well, let me just see here a second. That's what happens when you put in a, a pencil, or don't use a pencil. Well, okay, well, let me just paraphrase what I was saying then. It, it goes into, and if one of you think of it um, before I get too far along, just give me the scripture there. That's not it. But anyway, it, it's talking about how husbands and wives treat each other. You know, your husband love your wife, honor your wife, and, and uh, the wife sees that she honor her husband. And, and uh, uh, you know, even Sarah even called Abraham Lord. You know, she really, really worshiped him. And, and she didn't just turn around. You know, she could have said, like some of us do sometimes, well, Abe. Why, why did we leave? We had a good living here. You know, God told you to get up and pack up and get away from your family, but we had a good living here, you know, and I don't know if things got rough. It probably went, you know, a little bit. They, they may have had to pitch tents a little a little more often than what she liked, but uh, the Scripture doesn't show that she griped about it a bit and, and, and kept bringing up his mistake if she thought it was a mistake. You know, this hypothesis, but, but you know, uh, uh, Sarah stood by Abraham's decisions. Let's go to uh, Malachi, the second chapter, verse 14, another short scripture. Malachi 2, and I've got verse 14 to 15, breaking in again. Yet you say, Where, wherefore, because the Lord has been witness, but let me just come back up again. Uh, well, I'll just go ahead and start here. Yet you say, wherefore, because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, against whom you have dealt treacherously, yet is she your companion and the wife of your covenant. And yet did he not did not he make one yet he yet he the residue of the spirit and wherefore one that he might seek a godly seed therefore take heed to yourself to your spirit and let none deal treacherously and harshly against the wife of your youth 
there, there are a lot of scriptures along that line. I'm, I'm not going to go into all of them. Um, but too many times we deal harshly with each other. Sometimes, too many times we deal harsh, too harshly with our children. There's a proper way of being disciplined with our children, but sometimes we can overdo it, as some of us older, we older people know and have done. You guys still having a good time, a good feast. This is one of the. This, is, this has been a great feast for us, I tell you. We, and I, I really tell you, and I say this sincerely, I enjoy. A lot of people I haven't met before. Some of them I have. Some I've seen in the past. Uh, it, it's it's a joy to get to know a lot of the people I haven't really got to talk to in the past. And uh, you know, all the way from the back to the front and throughout. And and uh, it's good to renew the the acquaintanceship with people that I've known from different church areas and and uh, you know it's it's really really nice for us and it, it it'll help uh, my wife and I to to have the spiritual boost that we need to make it through this <laughs> next year but anyway thank you and thank everybody for all the work that you've done to, so that we can be here together I'm going to um, going to try to sum up things here a little bit. Uh, you know, I know couples, and, and some of you do too, and, uh, couples that uh, at one time have had bad relationships, you know, with their, their mate, uh, even with couples, you know, that, that aren't quite married yet, and uh, that have had a good turnaround. I know couples that have had uh, mediocre to, you know, relationships that uh, got even better because of some things that they started doing and realizing what they could do. And uh, uh, it, it's, it's really enjoyable to see couples that, that are really doing a lot of things wrong begin to change. And here several years ago, uh, and I'll use a little bit of a personal example too, we were out in Feast in California and, and uh, where a couple of my daughters live up in the Redwood country. And we know a lot of people out there because one of our daughters has been out there for 20-some-odd years now. And, and, and we love a lot of the people out there, you know. They're not, they're not as biblically uh, literate as what we are here. They don't have as many churches there. And, and some of the godly principles you bring up, you know, it's almost new to some of them. So, but anyway, uh, there was a couple out there that we, my wife and I love very much. And, and we were out there in a feast and... 2004, I think it was. Uh, Ken, what you were out there? What year was that? 2004, somewhere around that time period, four or five, somewhere around that time at Kanakai, and uh, oh, they were really having a terrible, terrible problem. They, you know, the the husband and wife, and uh, I didn't know at that time the uh, uh, speaker listener technique as we teach in our workshops. You know. But I, I, I didn't know the, I mean, I didn't know the principle because I had taken it in some other classes, you know. I think uh, conflict resolution class, uh, I learned that in, in human relation. But anyway, I, I knew the principle. And, and the principle is, you, you know, if you have a disagreement, you know, to rather than let the thing escalate and get way out of hand, you, you go mechanically into the speaker-listener technique, and one person has the floor, you know, whether it's a pen or a piece of paper, but they have the floor. They, you know, that means they're in charge. 
and uh, you, you, you air your gripe or whatever, and you tell them what you feel, what, what this is doing to you, you know, this situation. And, and of course, you try not to belittle, hurt them, and all that, but you know, you, you, you tell them this situation, this is how it affects me. And, and the person, the listener, uh, their job is, is to listen intently. Not just sit there and gather your thoughts and then rebut right back, but you listen. And then when, when they've talked a little bit, not on and on and on, but when they've talked a little bit, then, then the listener will paraphrase back what the person has said. Okay, here's what I'm hearing you say, or, or, or you really want to do this, you know. And then and sometimes it's accurate and sometimes it's not. Well, then, the other, then you change. The other person has a floor and you go through it. Well, this one girl called us. Uh, and they've had problems off and on years, and called us last week, I guess it was, and she said, uh, David, guess what? He said, I'm really finally getting that speaker-listener technique down. He said, I finally learned to keep quiet and listen and then rebut. You don't rebut. <laughs> One of the things you don't rebut. But, you know, she was proud of herself because she could at least sit there and listen and not, not, not you know, fire back. But anyway, there are a lot of good techniques that, that, that you can do, and, and that's one of them. But uh, I, I want to mention a few things here, um, some things that we can actually do. And, and there will be scriptures that can back up a lot of this. But uh, feast time is a, is a good time for us to, you know, because our hearts are softened a lot, you know, from the, from the sermons that we've had, the Holy Spirit working here with us and uh, the messages we've had and the fellowship uh, it, you know in most cases unless you're under so much stress you know the Feast of Tabernacles is really a good penetrating oil like WD-40 liquid branch or something you know to the soul to the spirit so this this is a good time to take on a new activity or something that you want to add to yourself and, and I want to make uh, about five suggestions and, and uh, I think it will help uh, number one, change your internal dialogue. What are you thinking about your partner, your mate, or somebody else when this goes? Do you automatically just think, well, they always do such and such, you know, and you look for the negative, you know? Begin to look at the positive a little bit and change your internal dialogue. And, and change your internal dialogue about the person, period. You know, uh, just, just look at the person in uh, a, a positive light instead of a negative light. And here's one that I have given this uh, one couple, especially the young lady in that particular situation, and uh, I think it's good for anybody, but, uh, but especially for a woman <laughs> and a man too. Make your mate your hero and not the villain. Because it's one situation the guy could never do anything right or, or his problems were always brought up to him. Well, you made this mistake and you made that. You know, if my wife had done that to me or does, would do that to me, I would be crushed. I'm a very <laughs> self-conscious, sentimental person, you know, and she has never brought up, you know, horrible, bad things that I've done. She's, she's mentioned some things that she was displeased with, you know, and unhappy about. But, you know, she, she does not make me a villain. She makes me her hero, and I glow. I would do a whole lot more for her, you know, for a pat on the back 
than I will for yeah, you know, you stupid idiot or whatever. But 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 any even your wife, you know, yeah. So she burns a batch of biscuits, you know. She'll learn someday. Uh, if, if, <laughs> if, if you know, and she's older and she hadn't learned yet, find something to do with it. Use it for a wedge or something under the table or something, you know. But, you know, don't put her down. You know, she don't like that either. You know, just, you know, make make your wife a hero too. And and, and I, my wife is getting me a hero. I've, I've taught her so many, many mechanical things over the years that uh, if I have a problem mechanically, she'll say, well, have you thought about this? You know, and used to when I was younger, my vanity would, don't tell me what to do. I already knew that, you know. Hey, I'm glad that my wife retains some of the stuff that I don't, you know. My wife is, is, is the helper that God intended for her to be, you know. She's a, a big part of who I am and what I am. And, and, and your mate, your husband or wife, either one can be that. Uh, and here's another one that uh, 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 pray with your mate. Pray with your mate, and and just just recently here at home in Tulsa, uh, Ron Wellhoy mentioned in one of his messages. Uh, it wasn't the main part of it, but he was so excited about uh, he began to put into practice more praying with his wife. He was so excited about the closeness that it brings them and 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 the results that they get. And uh, I know my wife and I used to do it a lot more when our kids were younger. We'd be all around on the floor at night before they go to bed, you know, and all of them to pray. And, you know, it, it's, it's hard for mates to uh, uh, be cheating on each other and be doing a lot of other things and, and being as selfish if they're praying together. So pray, pray with your mate. And then something that really helps me really, really a lot, and I know a lot of other people, and I've, I've experienced this in conversation with people, Remember the good old days. And the longer you've been married, been together, remember the good old days. My wife remembers when, she tells me anyway, that I was a hunk, you know, and she, and she liked seeing me in the convertible with my arm up on the sleeve, you know. You know, I still like that. But, you know, I, I, I remember her still as the 18-year-old girl that I married, a 17-year-old girl that I was dating in high school. And, uh, and I got angry with her at times, and she said she had a perfect 36 figure. It wasn't what, uh, you'll have to see what I mean. She, 36, I, I love that, you know, the old Marilyn Rodeo, I like that. But she said, I'm 12, 12, 12. You know, that made me mad, you know. Think, I don't have any, uh, I can't make a better choice than that, you know, I get a 12, 12, 12. But, uh, you know, she, everybody told me, she, don't worry, David. And then I never complained because I saw her face, I saw her heart, and I saw. Anyway, I, I don't want to make anybody in, <coughs> uncomfortable, but you know, I can, I can still look. She takes her glasses off, and I see that young girl. The naivety that she had, you know, the hopes that she had. You know, I still see that, and I can still, I don't get too graphic, we've got young people in here. <laughs> but, you know, I can still 
hug her at, at the age she is. I won't tell you how old she is. I'm 70, but you know, she's younger than I am, three months. But anyway, <laughs> I won't tell you. But anyway, you know, we, we can kiss sometimes, and, and, and I, can, I can, you know, put my hands on her hips, and I still feel that little 12-inch <laughs> hip under there, you know. She still reminds me of a, of, of, of a young woman. And we need to do that. I used to talk to my father and mother, and I've talked with other older couples over the years, and you could see them come alive when you ask them, well, how did you meet? How, do, how was your dating life? And, you know, they just come alive. People, even younger people that have that had problems, and you, ask, you get them to go back and reminisce a little bit, and, you know, it really sparks this, this, this feeling in here and gives a little bit of love coming back in there into their life. It, and, and, and I really love the one with my dad and mom, well, anyway, when they would meet over the gate out on, you know, each other, front yard. anyway, that, that's too long. I, I promised you I wouldn't go very long today. Um, and another thing, I guess probably the final thing before I read my final scripture, treat your mate, and think about this, treat your mate as if you're trying to win them over for the first time. If you want your mate, how did, what did you do when you first started trying to get the person interested? Were you crabby? Were you gripey? Did you know it all? Did you do all of this? And I, and, and I don't have near enough time to tell you the reverse of that and how things deteriorate. But if we would try, if we thought we were losing that person, we really wanted to keep them, what would you do to try to keep them? Would we continue to do what we're doing? Don't ever let that destroy it. There's so much stuff that I, that I would love to talk about. Um, and I want to close with, with the scripture in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 13 uh, and and. And I asked Brian to, to, to do that in the Living Bible. To me, it has really, a, it's a lot more powerful from what I like it. I, here a few years ago, uh, uh, my youngest daughter, Becky, was getting married, and, and uh, Ian gave me an outline, you know, of, of what he uses a lot for uh, a wedding ceremony, and, and I fabricated it a little, altered it a little bit, used mostly what he had. But I put my personality, in, and I also used uh, 1 Corinthians 13 out of the Living Bible, and the people out in California loved it. <laughs> you know, like I said, they're not—they're good people. Don't get me wrong; they're good people. They—they they just don't have the churches that we have. And, and I'm going to read it, and and uh, I want you to think about it, and maybe even later to look at that. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4: Love is very patient and kind, never jealous or envious, never boastful or proud, never haughty or selfish or rude. Love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable or touchy. It does not hold grudges and will hardly even notice when others do it wrong. It is never glad about injustices, but rejoices whenever, whenever truth wins out. If you love someone, you will be loyal to him no matter what. 
the cost. You will always believe in him or her, always expect the best of him, and always stand, stand your ground in defending him. And how much do we need that now today in this day and age? And we need our mate and our brethren too to stand behind us. Um, I do. I did have Proverbs 5:18 down. Let me just see. Yeah, I'll just go over real quick. Proverbs 5:18. Actually, I think I'll, I'll start in uh, verse 15. Drink waters out of your own cistern and running waters out of your own well. Let your fountains be dispersed abroad and rivers of waters in the street. Let them only be, be your own and not strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and men rejoice with the wife of your youth. Rejoice with the wife of your youth. And if you're older and you have one, rejoice with her too, you know. And, and I've seen so many mar older marriages come together that, that were really, really, really fabulous. Uh, let me see here. In conclusion, the real conclusion, I know that God invented marriage, and you do too, and that he gave us guidelines for a happy and joyous union and it's based on his eternal word of love. And may you all have a great feast and a wonderful year to come.